Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Care to expand on that? I just woke up feeling real dangerous. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your co-host, Kamiar Marabi, and joined by Jack Shields. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcast, and Stitcher. Before we begin, we're just going to talk about giving us a five-star review because we love you, and you should love us back. Hell yeah. There's that. So, Jack just opened some stuff. Uh, so, how's your week so far? Oh, not too bad, man. Had the arts festival this past weekend. It was pretty rad. Uh, good weather for it. So, that was nice. But, uh, oh, and uh trying to think of the early week. Early week's been pretty... Low key, I mean, just yeah. kind of draft reaction and stuff like that. Not too busy. Draft reaction, tornado reaction. Tornado reaction, that's true. Yeah. Got our first dose of real severe weather. Yeah, it was... Ish. I mean, shockingly, it was a bit overblown for the metro area, but... Yeah. Kind of how it works. What do you have in your in your hand right there? What, what are you drinking? What we got here, uh, let's see... We've got Prairie Artisan Ales, which is out of uh, Krebs, I believe, which is by McAllister. Nice. Always a, it's a good place for Italian food and a good place for beer. Uh, it's Prairie. It's a standard, which is a farmhouse ale. It's pretty solid. Hmm. I'm trying this thing called intermittent fasting. Where, why? Why? Mm-hmm. I, I uh, so I, I've got I have, all, I have these muscles, right? <laughs> but I'm also you? trying to I'm also trying to lose fat. Okay. So basically, it's just like, oh, you there's like an eight-hour window of you eating between noon and 8 p.m., mm-hmm. or whichever you decide. In the other 16 hours, you only consume water or like just straight black coffee. That actually sounds okay. It's not too bad. I feel like I should do that. Yeah, it's not. And, and it's, it, it works. So, hey, if you guys have tuned in and... You want some, you know, I guess weight loss tips. I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't eat my first meal until like 2 p.m. every day. So, I mean, it, it, that, I, that could work, honestly. I could just cut out like the midnight uh, Postmates and I'd be in business. That's basically what it is. Yeah. You get to, you, can you drink after egg? Can you have like a, something like low carb, like vodka soda or something like that? Uh, I don't know. I think there are different types of fasting. Okay. So, you might, you might Google it. Yeah. yeah. But just bend the rules a little bit on that one. You could could bend the rules a little bit. But let's talk about NFL draft. Eight Sooners taken. 
not too shabby. In seven rounds, and um, the majority of them taken in the first four rounds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you had one, you had two Longhorns taken. One I didn't even notice that came off the board. Oh, Menahu and Chris Boyd. I right? didn't, I didn't even notice Chris Boyd came off the board. Yeah. And he came off the board like three selections right before Austin Seibert. Which is wild. That's <laughs> pretty funny to me. So at one point, Oklahoma had Oklahoma baseball had more players drafted in the NFL draft than any Longhorns. And then for the most of the draft, they had one Longhorn. They had as, just as many draftees from Oklahoma baseball that the Longhorns had drafted. Yeah, essentially, yeah. That's pretty good. I, I, that's a nice little cherry-picked stat there. I mean, yeah. it, it's, you know, it's I, I enjoy that one. Props to you on that. It's always nice. So. Yeah. We'll just do a rundown of who got drafted in the and what round. Not that you guys don't already know. So Kyler Murray goes first. So is Marquise Brown. You knew him as better as Hollywood. Cody Ford was a second round selection. Selection kind of surprising, right? I thought he was going to go in the first round for sure. I mean, there was you know there was buzz that maybe somebody could take him near the top ten mm-hmm. potentially, and uh, I think most people you know worst case scenario thought he'd go somewhere in the twenties potentially. But uh, I guess the Texans uh, viewed him as a guard potentially and maybe decided to take someone who they viewed as a tackle. So, you know, I mean, Ford's capable of being a star at either position. So, but yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, the Bills, they liked him as a first round talent and they got him in the second round. That's pretty nice. So, what I read from the Bills was that they liked him a lot and they were going to try to trade back in the first round to get him. And he just so happened to be there in the second round. So they picked him up then too. Yeah. What Pretty I, good drafting. They had a really good draft. They at did. least they at did. least near the top for sure. Like I mean, getting Ed Oliver at nine, that's pretty solid. Probably my biggest surprise of the day was not who got drafted. It was Bobby Evans getting drafted in the third round. I didn't think he'd go quite that early. I thought he'd go maybe in the fifth round. Yeah. And being drafted late third round? Samia fourth round sounds about right. That's about right. That was a good he's gonna fit really well in that offense. I, I think, think he will too. And uh you know, Cody or uh, Ben Powers. I didn't think he'd go fourth round. I thought maybe fifth or sixth. Yeah. And but you know, he's a he was projected later. He's kind of yeah, exactly. He he's kind of a high floor guy though. I mean, he's going to be someone who could start for mm-hmm. anyone for a few years probably. I mean, he's a you know a tough guy, fundamentally sound, heavy handed. You know, mm-hmm. he's uh wants to he'll work out well there. Crush the dreams of grown men. Crush the dreams of grown men and uh, turn people into stone with his death stare. Yeah, that's. Piercing, very, very scary. Piercing blue eyes that look right into your soul. He's just—he looks like someone who is like, about to shank you or something like that. It's like looking at a three hundred and thirty-pound night king. Yeah, there you go. It's the eyes. It's who, whose eyes are more intoxicating? His eyes or Bob Diaco's eyes? <laughs> um, I think they give one gives off different vibes. Right? Yeah, that's true. Ben Powers gives off the vibe that I'm about to get my ass kicked. Right? Yeah. Diaco looks like he might pull some Jeffrey Dahmer stuff. Yeah, potentially. So I'm, I'm, you know, Louisiana Tech people. I mean, down there, that's true. It, are they in Shreveport? Ruston, which is close to Shreveport. So I mean, they do play some games at the uh, Independence Bowl occasionally. Maybe like that's right, or maybe they used to, or something like that. They they occasionally do, but Ruston's fairly close to so, Shreveport. If you're in Louisiana and you see like some weird looking guy that like has his hair slicked back and real big eyes it's not the chupacabra or anything it's probably a bob diaco mm-hmm. he's terrifying he's terrifying and he's a very bad interview oh i think or, he's or a great, great or, he's well a great see interview. he's bad he's a bad interview if you're like if you're like his sid or something like that he's a terrible <laughs> interview 
if you're like trying to get like some decent information out of him, he's a terrible interview. If you're trying to get something that might go viral, he's a great interview because he's got a little bit of Gary Busey in him, just spouting nonsense. Gonna ride on a scorpion's back. Yes, just shit like that. I mean, yeah, he's just leaves everybody in the crowds being like. What the hell? Is yeah, that's wrong what with happened. I think. Yeah, we mentioned this last time. I think he was in like Teddy. one of those. Yeah, he was in one of those like Sooner Sports Studio shows with Teddy and uh, Chris Plank, and they were just. You could tell they were a little shook. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bob Yaka was shook too. <laughs> but some more guys that got drafted: Austin Cyber in the fifth round. That surprised me. Like, I didn't. I was gonna wait till like I think I texted you, and I was like, you know. I don't think Austin Cybert's going to get drafted because we, we were talking about, you know, the last ones, the last bits of the crew that we're waiting on, Cybert, Anderson, made me Bledsoe. And I said, you know, I think the Sooners might be done for that today if, if Rodney Anderson's not gonna, if not getting drafted in the fifth round. And then I go walk my dogs or something, and I get a text from Jack that says, Cybe. And I looked, I was like, oh, wow. Big Cybe. He, he got drafted in the fifth round. Yeah. Nonetheless. And, I mean... To the Browns, nonetheless, as well. So that's yeah. exciting for him. Absolutely. Exciting for him, exciting for us, exciting for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Everybody's going to the AFC North except exciting the Steelers. Exciting for all parties. And he's got a strong leg, and that was one of the big reports on him, was that maybe not as accurate. But maybe he, they'll let him specialize, too. But exactly. Think? Yeah. Because he's only going to be a kicker. Yeah. And the big plus on him was he hammered his kickoffs 100% of the time. Yep. Unless they were squib kicks, then... Zero percent of the time. The we don't days. bring that no. up anymore. Sorry, that's, that's a sore subject. But uh, <laughs> they said, you know, he wasn't allowed to specialize. But that was at the same time that was one of his positives was because, like, hey, he is versatile, and we'll see what he can do. He won't be a punter. He's going to be a kicker, and he has a strong cannon for a leg. So they they mentioned his accuracy and how many times he hasn't been given the chance to like, oh, he's one of three from kicks beyond fifty. Well, you know. If you don't have two Heisman quarterbacks scoring touchdowns all the time, you probably have more opportunities. Like, for for example, if you had Jalen Hurts as your quarterback this year, he probably has a little bit more opportunities to showcase his leg. So that like that's a negative, but it's only just because the offense was just scoring touchdowns all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, I you know, we were talking about this last time. I'm not sure how many attempts whoever... Uh... Whoever ends up kicking for Oklahoma this year, it's probably going to be fewer attempts than Austin Seibert a year ago. But, I mean, even with the offense being theoretically slightly slower paced than Mm -hmm. in years past. But, uh, you know, I don't know if that trust factor is going to be there with the kicker this year. Do you think so? I mean, I don't – I mean, I feel like Riley is going to be going for it a bit more frequently on fourth and five at the 38. I think it's fair to say – I think it's fair to say – to give pause to it yeah. and to really analyze what they have later on in the year. Like I have a feeling that what we see against Houston is going to be different than what we see against probably Texas. Might see two kickers against Houston, like a long range guy and a short game range guy, potentially wouldn't you I think, think? I think that's fair. So. Yeah. And then of course the guy that we were all begging for, for somebody to take <laughs> after Austin cyber anytime a team was up, it's like, all right, come on, Denver, do me a solid. Draft, adding them on Twitter, draft Rodney Anderson. And oh, yeah. I know you think he'd be good with the I would have Chiefs. loved him with the Chiefs. Yeah, it would have been fantastic. And he gets drafted sixth round, going to familiar place, familiar face with Joe Mixon. 
Ron Anderson's off the board to the Cincinnati Bengals, which they just drafted a running back, Travion Williams, from A&M. So. Well, Travion could be like the change of pace guy for Mixon, and if Mixon maybe gets dinged up a little bit, Rodney's yeah. like a plug-and-play guy for like Mixon's role, essentially. They have like five legitimate running backs now, though. Yeah. So Travion like, Williams is really good, too. And like, I mean, Giovanni Bernard yeah. that they're probably just not going to pay now yeah. because they have Mixon, who's now their feature back. Mm-hmm. And then... Mixon led the AFC in rushing, didn't he? Or he was close to it. I think it's close to yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a legitimate star at this point. And so then you have Rodney Anderson, which is athletic freak, even though he's had you know some pretty serious injuries, but with great, he's got great hands. He's like in the mold of Joe Mixon, but smaller, you know? Slight, and not by much. <laughs> not by much. <laughs> if, and, if any. You know, Joe's, of course, I think, I think Joe's a little more... What's the word I'm looking for? It's not athletic. I think Joe's a little more agile. He is. He's a bit more he's, agile. He's uh, Rodney's a bit more of a one-cut guy, Yeah, but he's effective with it. And uh, they both have great hands. Both can be used in the receiving game, and that looks like the narrative going forward. I'm just wondering what Cincinnati needs to get a new quarterback. Andy Dalton's not the guy. No. I mean, he's a good piece. Very low ceiling there. Yeah, he's a good piece to have for an average NFL team, but he's not the guy to lead them to any sort of title. But... Out of all these guys, who has the highest upside in the NFL? Well, Kyler would be the first uh, person to come to mind there. I mean, yeah. I think he's someone who can sort of revolutionize what the quarterback position is seen as in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He could, you know, he's already had the way paved for him a little bit by Russell Wilson, but if he's able to do well, then that will just completely open the floodgates, wouldn't you think? Oh, definitely. I think and because, like, you know, we're saying who has the highest upside in the NFL, and we have four offensive linemen to choose from. A skill guy that's been hurt a lot during his career, a specialist as as a kicker. So then you're looking at two real skill guys and Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown, other than Rodney Anderson. And I mean, I think the highest upside is going to be Kyler Murray because he can affect the game the most out of all of these guys. And you know, you're just really curious to see what that's going to look like on the field because coming into Oklahoma, they're like, oh, there's no way he can be better than Baker, and then he. It's better than Baker, yeah. <laughs> statistically. <laughs> and he wins the Heisman, too. And so you have that. I mean, Marquise Brown, he's incredibly fast. Yeah. And he's not... I, he's, I'm not completely sure he went to maybe the right place yeah. to fully take advantage of his skill set, but he's going to be really valuable for that team. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, they're, he's going to... I mean. They're going to run it a ton there in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. They did last year. They were a very effective rushing attack, and I think that's going to open some things up for him. He might not maybe have quite as many receptions as he would in another place, but I feel like he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to have some favorable matchups out there because of the style of offense they have. So I, I think, think it could be, I think overall, maybe it's not the greatest fit, but there are some pluses to it, I think. That's definitely fair to say. And what I, did you see what Josh Rosen said? They they took it. They I think they released it. Bleacher Bleacher Report released it. What Josh Rosen said to his agent when they drafted Kyler Murray? Mm-mm, didn't he? He said that he was gonna beat out Kyler Murray. And, and then they traded him like five minutes later. Him. He's like he's like so what? I'm gonna beat him out. Hmm. He was classy about it though. Yeah. Eventually. Once he needed to for public relations reasons, because everyone was pooping on him. But he whines too much. I eh. just, I think he's an, yeah. I think he's an entitled brat. Yeah, I mean, he, he, yeah, UCLA. Well, not so much UCLA. I mean, he grew up with a lot of money too, with his parents. Yeah, they're like famous yeah. athletes, right? 
Well, they're famous for stuff, but like, he yeah, he grew up with a silver spoon for sure. But I mean, he certainly handled it publicly very well, yeah. I would say. Which, you know, that's all you can really ask. I mean, he can be as mad as he wants behind closed doors. He's entitled to that, and that's fine. Yeah. But yeah, I think we both agree that Kyler Murray has the highest upside just because he can affect the game in so many ways and even transcend the game as far as new like the yeah official, he can be a trendsetter for sure I mean, the official new kind of quarterback yeah. in the nfl is not six foot he's not joe flacco he mm-hmm. is not six foot four and throws over the offensive line this guy is incredible as far as the run game he's accurate over the middle he's accurate in showing the short passes and can throw the deep ones too and just another athlete that just has a really good arm yeah you know he's yeah and i mean i think people are underestimating how many design runs he could potentially have. I know he's a small guy yep. in the NFL, but he absorbs contact really well. He doesn't really take huge hits. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in most people, when there's a running quarterback who comes into the league, they're like, oh, well, he's not going to be able to have success running the ball against these NFL athletes. Kyler Murray runs a legitimate 4-3. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the fastest person on the field in some cases, even in the NFL. So I, I think you're going to see him unleashed as a runner much more than other running quarterbacks in the past, I would think. Except for, you know, maybe someone like Michael Vick, but or Lamar Jackson currently, but he's gonna he's definitely gonna I think I think he's gonna get some designed runs, I would you would think. Who's most likely to be a regular starter and have a fine career? And let's t- let's take off the whole upside here. Let's take off just like maybe a regular starter, maybe not necessarily make a Pro Bowl, but just have like an eight, nine year career in the NFL. Oh, I mean I think all of the offensive linemen sort of fit that bill. Every one of them. I think Rodney, he's someone who I wouldn't expect him to have a very long career Mm -hmm. because of what he's dealt with. But I would, I could picture him having some like big years as a running back, like two or three really good years where he's, you know, if he meets his potential, he could, he could be a pro bowler. I mean, if he is in the right situation, you know, you'll, you never know. But, uh, I wouldn't expect him to have like a eight nine year career necessarily, yeah. but I think Ben Powers could have that. I think uh, Cody Ford could definitely have that. Samia for sure. Bobby Evans. I mean, all of them. You know, one of the draft scouts likened Rodney Anderson to Josh Jacobs, except they're like, oh, he just has a injury history, so people are not drafting him. He's faster than Josh Jacobs too. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. They're and, both great out of the backfield as receivers, though. And so. now that I brought up Josh Jacobs, let's. Talk about that narrative just briefly that Oklahoma didn't recruit him. They yeah they offered him a scholarship in mid January. It's completely like you you can bullshit. say that it's uh you can say that it didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because they did offer him too late. Yeah, obviously. Well, that, but everybody offered him too late. Exactly, that, that's but pissing me Oklahoma, off. Oklahoma, I mean, obviously isn't going to get a pass for offering him right, so late because, because he was state. under their nose. Alabama, they're going to get a pass for that. Missouri's going to get a pass for that. It's a little different, but uh, no. I mean, I, I feel like if you're trying to be factually correct, you have to at least state that you can say, oh, Oklahoma slept on him. That would be true That's for sure. Fair. That's fair. You could say that Oklahoma didn't do enough to get him to come to Norman. Right. That would be true. But they did offer him. Yeah. They did recruit him. They, they definitely did want him mm-hmm. in January for sure to pair with Abdul Adams. And from what I've been told, this is this is exactly what happened. Oklahoma, they kept their distance, knew of them. But the main university in 
on Josh Jacobs is Missouri. Yeah. And Missouri, they didn't offer him the entire year. They kept their tabs on him. They go to the games. They go to scouts. Never offered him until that January, they offered Josh Jacobs a scholarship. Very next day, Lincoln Riley's offering him a scholarship. They're just waiting to pounce on somebody to offer this guy a scholarship because he could be the best-kept secret in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. And apparently he was. And soon after that, of course, you know, Missouri offers, also Oklahoma offers, and now everybody is offering Josh Jacobs. And that's what pisses me off because it's like they're just going to act like the narrative going into the the damn Orange Bowl was, oh, they didn't offer me and they didn't respect. No, bro, like everybody. Yeah. Oklahoma was sleeping on you. Literally, the entire United States was sleeping on you besides Missouri who was looking at you, but they didn't give you a scholarship right away. Yeah, exactly. So that entire narrative, even through the draft, it just like made me angry every time they mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's frustrating for sure. I mean, it's... It's not necessarily a terrible look for Oklahoma because that kind of stuff happens everywhere. Right. But I mean, it's it's you have to at least be factually correct. You have to get those facts straight. I mean, I don't know. I, I it, it seems lazy on the part of people who were covering it nationally. Yeah. yeah, they were just sort of taking him at his word and not really digging deeper into it. That's true. And that's frustrating. So, who's most likely to be out of the league in a few years? Oh, I, I would just. Just by default, I would say Cybert, just because if you miss a few kicks, you're cut, essentially, in the NFL. Oh, my gosh. Remember that? Remember Tampa Bay, them drafting Roberto Aguayo, yeah. They drafted him at, what, third round? Like, I think really he, early. He, he was really early. But, like, yeah, he was a he was at Florida State Florida when I was State. there. And, like, yeah. he, was, he was a dynamite kicker at Florida State. Like, he was damn near perfect until <laughs> when I was working at Georgia Tech a year later. And he uh, had that field goal blocked at Georgia Tech. They run it back for the touchdown. And in the process, he tries to make a tackle, and he became a meme, the Aguayocopter, because he got he tried to grab the dude's waist, and he got spun around mm-hmm. in the process and was, like, essentially midair twisting around. He became the Aguayocopter, and he has not been the same since. Clearly. Yeah. I mean, he left after his junior year and was taken pretty early, but, like, he... He was never quite the same the rest of the year at Florida State, and he wow. had, like, the yips in the NFL, essentially. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. I mean, it, that, that moment rattled him. And talk he about burning done. Talk about burning one of your early picks on a kicker. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's dumb regardless, but... And then him for, him for the flame out. I think one of the guys that's most likely to be out of the league in a few years... I, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's gonna it's gotta be Rodney Anderson just because of not because he'll have another freak injury. I don't think I think that running backs in the league these days are a dime a dozen. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, you can plug people. I mean, look at what Kansas City did last year. No disrespect to Damian Williams, he's very good, but I mean, they get rid of Kareem Hunt for being a shithead and yeah. then bring in Damian Williams. They don't miss a beat, and they can bring in another running back and not miss a beat. I mean, it, yeah. it's just it's sort of. I mean, you have to have a competent running back, but if you have a right. good offensive line and a good system and put him in good situations, he's going to gain yards. So, I, and I just think, you know, Rodney Anderson, just be by the fruition of things and how they've come and what's happened in his career, I mean, he's already taken so much punishment, as, especially as a running back, especially from Katie, you know, where all you're doing is running. Yeah. 
uh, you know, it's gonna it'll take a toll on it. Yeah, absolutely. But yes, yeah, Seibert is the guy who could either have the shortest career or the longest. Yeah, career. that's exactly right. That's the thing. It just depends on the breaks he gets. He could be in the league for a couple of years and flame out, or he could be yeah, in the he, league if he, in forty five at forty five years old, still wearing a Texas it, sucks shirt. If you yeah, if you have one bad stretch as a kicker, you're you're done. I mean, yep. it, it's 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 rough. But if you're consistent, you can play until you're fifty years old, like Morton Anderson. Or was he fifty? I mean, he was close. He was he had, close. Yeah, I know he had one face. And he still mask. had that. Yeah, well, he still yeah. had that one bar on the face yeah. mask. That's impressive. And who's that? Who's another kicker that is like just super old besides Videntary? Oh uh, well, Sebas just retired. Yeah, it's Sebastian uh, Janikowski. He retired Janikowski. a couple days ago. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, yeah, he was Florida State's kicker the year before OU beat them in the national championship. That's how old. God. He was. Yeah. That seems forever ago. <laughs> yeah. Does it's time to win another national title? It, you know, it, it's wild that you know the the length of time between now and OU's last national championship. It's four years longer than the gap between the 2000 national championship and the 85 national championship. Which that 15 year window that was an eternity for yeah. OU fans. Now it's kind of like it's a, it's different. It's a kind of like well, maybe it'll happen this year, maybe it won't. Yeah, because they're a lot closer yeah, today than closer they were. Yeah, closer to it. It just it, it feels different. I mean, th- that 15 years period, I mean, it was Hell. not all of them were terrible. Like yeah. that, I mean, you, the early 90s were okay. Then you get into the mid 90s and it's bad and then you get into the late 90s it's really bad and then Bob Stoops comes in 99 and sort of saves the day, but I mean, obviously, since then, through the Stoops era, it's OU's at least been competitive. Yeah, competitive Nationally good. competitive in most cases, so it's felt uh, like a shorter drought for some reason, but I don't know. That's fair. So let's go on to some undrafted free agents. Amani Bledsoe, Curtis Bolton, Carson Meyer, Marcellus Sutton. That surprised me. That did surprise me a little bit, yeah. All undrafted free agents. Bledsoe to the Titans. Bolton to the Packers, Carson Meyer to the Jags, and Sutton to the Seahawks makes the most sense out of any of these undrafted free agents, to me anyways. Which one of these, if you had to choose, most likely make a career in the NFL after being an undrafted free agent? Uh, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um, I could see Carson Meyer sort of like carving out a niche or something mm-hmm. like that, you know what I mean? Sort of as a blocking specialist yeah. of some sort. Um, he'd be fairly good in that role, but there aren't that many teams who sort of take players in that role as much anymore, so mm-hmm. the league's kind of changing a little bit. But uh, Curtis Bolton, you could see him maybe becoming like a pass-rushing specialist mm-hmm. out on the end or something like that. Uh, I don't know if he would be good enough at that to really gain a roster spot, though. I could see Bolton 100% on kickoff duty. Yeah, oh, that for sure. He could maybe carve out something there for sure. But uh, Amani Bledsoe, I mean, if he had had enough chances to play at Oklahoma and not been sort of screwed over. I mean, that NCAA penalty is just, that's overkill. I mean, he's suspended for essentially a year. And on top of that, a year of eligibility taken away from you. How is that not excessive? I mean, I I don't, that penalty is absurd. So let's let's, let's talk about Monty Bledsoe. So screwed by the NCAA, yes? Yeah, of course. And so what does the NCAA stand for? They're supposed to stand for... Nobody knows. They stand for themselves, essentially, but... Ideally, they're supposed to stand up for, like, student-athletes and protecting the student and all that stuff, but it's It's an archaic mindset. I mean, it's, you know, I'm not going to get into that entire thing now, but I mean, it's... All you see is they're caring about money. Yeah, I mean, it's... 
in their product. A lot of antiquated thinking, but I don't know. Because it's... And a lot of, you know, things that are seen of self... Uh, you know, it's it's under the guise of amateurism and stuff like that. It's, mm. it's all self-serving, though. I mean, it's... I, I would never take that organization at its word. And Amani Bledsoe, I mean... So the guy gets... What, he played a few games in that first season. He did, and then that... The hammer came down. The hammer came down and said, oh, he's been and then using he was, PEDs. Uh, he was able to play midway through his sophomore season in 2017 right. and then played all of last year. So basically... There, so there was rarely any continuity. A year and a half of playing under his belt, yeah. essentially. And then he has to forego his last season because he has that extra year ban on him after he got busted that first initial time. So he doesn't have a degree, and he's told to leave the university early as far as... Athle- athletics yeah like that's that how is me, that good for the student athlete <laughs> yeah again yeah that, that to me like goes against everything about what the NCAA should stand for as far as student athletes and making sure they stay in school and earning a degree or just earning something after school that's pretty shitty yeah pretty awful but the entire draft you have eight Sooners drafted What's that suggest about Oklahoma's narrative going forward as a NCAA power? Well, I think for the program in general, I think, I mean, obviously the defensive uh, narrative stands. Yeah, definitely. As it sort of should for now. But as far as the offense is concerned, there was always the image of these Big 12 offenses that they didn't create good professional players, that it didn't translate to the next level. The past couple of years, that's sort of been debunked, mm-hmm. and this only reinforces that, yeah. or reinforces the debunking, I guess. But like, uh, you know, that's that's uh, seven offensive players drafted from Oklahoma. That's pretty solid. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, you have a defense that basically nine, ten stars coming back. So I mean, it makes sense. But at the same time, if they were all seniors. Who would even get drafted? Like at, after this coming year, in 2019, 2020, who do you expect to get drafted from the defense? Maybe, maybe Neville Gallimore? Gallimore, he'll be drafted. I, I, I would expect him to be like a day three guy, you would think. Maybe yeah. he'll, he'll get a shot. He's, he's so athletic. Someone's going to take a flyer on him. Is there anybody else? Ah, oh, God. I mean, I well, know th- Kenneth th- Murray Ken- wants to come out. Kenneth Murray has been getting a little bit of buzz just because, uh, partially because of his body type. Yeah, he's gonna kill at the combine. And yeah, people he's are gonna, gonna be impressive him. at the combine for sure. And you know, if he moves over to the will, he could have a damn good year and make a lot of money too. But we'll see if that actually happens. But uh, so angry, it needs to happen. But uh, other than <laughs> that, uh. I don't know. Let's see. Yeah, and that's no the, one in the defensive backfield. That's the issue, right? No one's e- either. No one either. They're not eligible or right. they're not good enough. So, uh, you know, maybe the sleeper would perhaps be if someone like Laron Stokes has a big year or something like that. I think it's possible. That that could happen. And he's someone who physically would be impressive for the combine and, and all that. He's someone that Grinch and Riley really like. Absolutely. So if he has a big year, he could go get that money. So. Who knows? I think this draft suggests that Oklahoma's offense is, of course, the best in the country. I think. It, I think oh it yeah, absolutely. That. They have the best man putting them in spots to be successful. Uh, the defense, of course, it, it sheds some line on the defense. Uh, 
Now, because Oklahoma lost four-fifths four of their Joe Moore to winning offensive line, you lose Marquise Brown, you lose Kyler Murray. Does this mean, because people are really high in Oklahoma, does yeah. this mean we should temper our expectations coming into the Sooners' impending season? Maybe from like pumping the brakes from like 12-1 and one to 9 or 10 wins? I wouldn't do that. No, I, I mean, obviously, great amount of talent that just departed. Would you agree, right. though, that the people who are coming in to fill their spots have a higher upside than the guys who left, wouldn't you say? Uh, no doubt on the yeah. offensive line. They have a much higher and upside. would you doubt Bill Bedenboe's ability to eventually, maybe not right off the bat, but eventually get them ready to roll? I think the offensive line will be fine. But yeah. I think this this offense is so centered around what a quarterback can tr- and cannot true. do. Yeah. And, I mean, of course, in Lincoln Riley, will put you in spots to be successful. Exactly. And you'll see a lot more QB run game, which I'm imagining a lot more read option, a lot more zone reads that where they are actually reading and not the Josh Heupel stuff where yeah. they're just run, handing it off and no I'm, read. I'm about to throw my beer right now just yeah. thinking about that. Yeah, it was just like it was like a zone read, but there's actually no read. It was just hand the ball off because they were protecting the quarterbacks. But, you know, I think that because somebody somebody posted that they said, "Hey, you know, you lose four fifths out of all that offensive line, and you have you 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 miss out on a wide receiver in, in Hollywood Brown, and you miss out on somebody maybe even better than Baker Mayfield, and you're still expecting to have a really good season." And you know, it made me thought. Hey, it gave me some pause. I said, it's "Actually, a pretty legitimate argument." I mean, yes, the offensive it's a line, legitimate argument, but like from a pragmatic perspective i'm genuine i'm genuinely not that worried i I think they're an 11 and 1 team are they so is this offense what it is to alabama's defense as far as just reloading every year yeah i think so at this point just because of how well beaten recruits offensive linemen that's the biggest issue i mean for continuity for an offense like this is being able to not miss much of a beat on the offensive line. And I think uh, the way Bill Biedenboe operates as well as he uh, gets people prepared and as how well he, or uh, how well he recruits. That's uh that sort of puts your mind at ease as a fan, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. definitely. And obviously, like, like I said, you're going to have some hiccups. You had hiccups last year and there wasn't even that much turnover last year. Right. But by the middle of the year, it, the ball is going to be rolling, and I mean the early season schedule is favorable for mm-hmm. Oklahoma in that way. They they can afford to have some hiccups up front and still win games. So I just I just fail to believe that Eric Swenson is going to be your left tackle. I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, I have a high doubt oh, in my mind. You have a high doubt that Eric Swenson would be. Oh yeah, me too. But I just can't see it. No, I can't either. And unless it's like a Jonathan Alvarez situation, but. Boy, he's going to retire halfway through the season. <laughs> well, not quite like that, to... but I mean, just uh, going with experience <laughs> in the first game just yeah. to see how it goes. I think but, that's uh, fair. Granted, it's not the center position, so it's a little different. But It's still left tackle. That's like the most important. Yeah, very second important, most important yeah. one. But it's every year in the NFL draft, you have tons of guys that declare to leave early. And one of the guys that that just you know pings out to me is Devontae Lampkin, which is a total surprise to well, me. Well, how much of a choice did he have? Academically, you know. Yeah, he failed Spanish to get in Oklahoma. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll tell you some stuff I mean, about he, him. He, I mean, he was suspended for academics earlier in the year, too. I mean, God. so, I mean, he... He didn't come to Oklahoma, play 
play school. No. He did not. What was that guy's name, though? Ohio State quarterback. He's He was with the Bills. Cardale Jones. Cardale Jones, that third string. He ended up getting his degree, the too. Third string quarterback yeah. that won a national yeah. title. and then Big arm. Did nothing after that. He went, yeah, went to the NFL and then yeah. did nothing. He got some money. I mean, and he, he like I said, he did end up getting his degree. So he did come to play school, apparently. Gosh. There you go. But after each year, there's so many people that declare early. And there's a massive amount of underclassmen not drafted. Like, I look, they, I think they, uh, Adam Schefter said that this was like the biggest pool of undrafted um, underclassmen, or I guess upperclassmen, juniors, yeah. that had come out of the draft. So what advice would you give to college juniors, not even college, you know, not even the seniors, but just college juniors in general after their junior seasons? I mean, you always tell someone to bet on themselves, so it's, you should still tell them to do that, but at the same time, you should do your due diligence and look at it realistically and maybe get outside of your inner circle to get advice on stuff like that. I think that's the issue sometimes. You have people who maybe don't aren't operating with enough information or maybe don't fully have the person's best interest at heart who are sort of steering them in certain directions. So I would, yeah, just to say, do your due diligence and get your information from a multitude of sources as far as your stock is concerned. And if someone tells you, hey, you're not going to be drafted, don't dismiss that person as a hater or something like that. And, you know, just think about it a, a bit more pragmatically, I guess. But I don't know. I've never been in that situation. So it's, you know, it's kind of hard to tell someone what to do in that situation. So my thing is here's the deal a lot of these guys, they take summer classes. Yeah. Actually, it's mandated they take summer classes. Oh, okay unofficially mandated they take summer classes because they have to be at practice for summer Uh and they're all taking summer classes and by the end of their junior years a lot of them have already graduated that's true so you basically you can't say oh come back and earn your degree because a lot of them already have their degrees yeah it's a case-by-case thing but yeah and so you look at you know you're like for example let's talk about kenneth murray if he has a year similar to the past two years my advice to him is going to be like, bro, like come back, play the will, and see what happens with your draft stock. Like, bet on yourself. Yeah. And not on the combine. And But it's, you know, at the same difference, you look at Caleb Kelly. And, like, what's that look like for him? I mean, he's going to be a senior. And just because of a freak accident and an injury, you know, he's probably going to be redshirting a year. And we don't even know if he's going to be back on campus. Yeah. And so what advice do you give to him right now as a person that's probably going to redshirt or maybe doesn't redshirt and just tries to show up at, you know, Oklahoma Pro Day? I would say not to make a decision yet and to maybe see how things play out. But, I mean, it it is an ACL, wouldn't you say? You would, you would. Oh, yeah. 100% I would say that. It's an ACL. But, like, uh, I mean, maybe the future isn't really there at Oklahoma. But, I mean, he's someone who... He hasn't used a redshirt year. Right. He could redshirt this year, graduate from the University of Oklahoma. This is his fourth year on campus. He's probably on pace to graduate, I would imagine, if he hasn't graduated already, which he may have done it in three years. You never know. Did he? Do you know? Kelly? I don't think, Kelly? He's, I don't think he's graduated now. I can't. I, I don't think so. I don't okay. think so. I could uh, be wrong, yeah. though. I could be wrong. But uh, anyway... 
He's someone who would be a really good grad transfer candidate somewhere he if, he, if it doesn't work out at Oklahoma. I'm not sure how well it would work out in Alex Grinch's defense for him. So he put he needs to play the Sam wherever. He yeah, goes. he does need to play the Sam. But I mean, is is that going to end up happening for him next year? I think it would. Yeah, I think he would fit really well in the Big Ten. Yeah, SEC. So, well. We have some things coming up in a second, talking about summer ball, some Twitter questions, and even we were joined by somebody from the Baltimore Beatdown. But here's a break for our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. All right, guys, today we're joined by SB Nation's Baltimore Beatdown to talk about former Sooners and their draft, and today we're joined by Jacob Luke. Jacob, how are you doing? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. It's just uh, the NFL season and college football season, it's over, and we're all just sad that we have to wait till basically summer ball for football or college football and the fall for actual football. What, Jacob, i got a question for you. Sure. What do you do when there's no football? Uh, well, you know, watch the AAF, of course. Uh, RIP. <laughs> <laughs> RIP. Yeah, no. Um, Who was your Bal- team? Uh, <laughs> in the AAF, we didn't really have anyone here in the Mid-Atlantic that I could really get behind. So I was kind of watching players that I liked. Uh, Johnny Football got in the mix right there. I don't know how you guys feel about him, but uh, I was watching him <laughs> for a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was strange, short-lived. I didn't really watch a ton of them to be honest but uh yeah up here in baltimore we got the orioles so during the off season i'll watch a little bit of them and uh just kind of chill you know and obviously i'm a blogger about the ravens so i kind of have to stay plugged in on them all year round anyway so it's kind of a full-time thing for me are you a game of thrones fan yeah definitely what about you guys yep yeah we're probably gonna spend the next we're probably gonna spend the last 20 minutes of the podcast talking about game of thrones and that's make sure your brightness is up. yeah oh yeah make oh. sure the brightness <laughs> is up no jokes seriously <laughs> But let's talk about some Baltimore Ravens draft, along with some Sooners involved. So Baltimore decided to draft Marquise Brown in the first round. Uh, and then, I can't remember, was it the 26th pick 25th overall? pick. 25th pick yeah, overall. They traded back to 25. Yeah. And then, of course, Ben Powers was a fourth-round selection. And what do you think that Marquise Brown and Ben Powers really bring to that Baltimore Raven offense after kind of deciding on Lamar Jackson and being the future and kind of shipping off Joe Flacco? Yeah, so I think they went into the drafts uh, and really this offseason with sort of a need to add speed to this team, speed to this offense uh, specifically, considering they did a good job last season, especially in the run game. But uh, it's customary around here to have uh, not so great options at the wide receiver position. And it was uh, pretty bad last year, especially after Jackson took over and he started throwing a little bit more to the middle middle of the field, utilizing his tight ends. So. They went in wanting to add speed, and they really got it there at 25 with your boy Hollywood. I think he's sort of that deep threat type of guy with the straight line speed, but he's also got big-time playmaking ability in those short areas, just watching him on tape. Um, and I you know, expect to see this offense use him in both of those aspects. You're going to get a lot of deep shots off the play action down the field. 
And a lot of manufactured touches, uh, like screens and end rounds and dig routes, just watching the tape. I could see Lincoln Riley uh, did a ton of that with him um, in a sooner, sooner uniform there. And, yeah, I think he projects to fit in as a wide receiver one type guy. As for powers, um, he's sort of that quintessential mid-round Ravens type pick. I'm sure you guys aren't super familiar with the team, but they, they like big guys from big programs who – play trench positions uh offensive line for him and you know he's got that mean streak in him they like that too and uh watching him on film i think he could maybe use a little bit more pop in the run game but that can maybe come with some coaching and i think he stands up well against uh incoming rushers good pass protection so i think based on all that and his uh badass attitude there with the um taking a grown man's dreams and crushing it quote i think he's fit in nicely here it's one of our favorite quotes he is a his it's, eyes are just so piercing. He's a he's a terrifying human being in person. I was typically yeah. He looks right into your soul. I, and he yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. I was just outside of the shot in that video. But like yeah, he was even though he wasn't looking at me, he was just absolutely. Oh, utter, he's yeah, utterly he's terrifying. That's crazy. Yeah. So do you think that Marquise Brown is the idea of what they wanted and what DeCosta wanted in? Mike Wallace, as far as a deep threat, deep threat that has blazing speed, but didn't really come to fruition. And they're looking at a guy that's a little more shifty as well, as far as transi- transitioning towards the new like kind of wave of offense in the NFL, which is kind of being the spread, which is kind of actually now spreading to the NFL. Yeah, so I would say a more complete version of what Mike Wallace and some other speed guys like Torrey Smith have had have come through here. Those guys were sort of that. Like I mentioned earlier, that straight, get-down-the-field, blazing speed type of guys. I think Brown, he's going to be that, but you're also going to get a lot of those manufactured touches. He's going to rush the ball, I would think, a little bit here and there, and they're going to use him sideline to sideline as well. So I think maybe even a little bit more complete than that. And um, the best wide receiver this organization has probably ever drafted, I don't know how big NFL fans you guys are, but Brandon Stokely is probably it. So I Really? Think this guy oh, my God. Has a good chance. If, or Torrey Smith. <laughs> One of the two. Tory Smith Tory's was good, good but he's I mean, he only had he's so many like, years of a shelf life. I yeah, mean, he right. was exactly he was quality, right. and he probably shouldn't be the, at the top of the list, though. I mean, that's no, he, he certainly shouldn't. This is a good drafting organization, but they're pretty snake bitten at this position. Yeah. This guy comes in as the favorite to maybe potentially be the best one they've ever drafted. Well, in Baltimore, they drafted a former Sooner in Mark Clayton a That's while true. back. Yeah, and, he was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, and he, that worked out a little bit better than people remember. Um, he wasn't the guy that they were expecting him to be, but he was definitely he had some productive years here, definitely. Right. So just knowing the style of Lamar Jackson, he, I mean, he has so many parallels to Michael Vick as far as not really reading defenses per se, um, just... You know, not being a pocket quarterback at the first sign of danger, scrambling, but being the most athletic freak out there, making it work 100%. And how is that style going to fit with Marquise Brown to where you're going to have to sit back in the pocket for more than a couple of seconds to let him do his work? Do you, do you see that really fitting, or what do you think that fit looks like? So I do because you say he's a scrambling quarterback and he definitely does do a little bit of scrambling but he also does make a ton of his hay on design runs as does the entire offense it uh, was one of the historically best rushing teams in the league last season and so i think you're going to get a lot of pounding the rock and then that play action is going to ideally open hollywood up i think you're going to pound the rock like i was i was watching um a 2017 game that the Sooners played against the uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys you guys probably remember that he had a bit of a game that day he had a little Pretty bit of good. a game and they were, I remember in the fourth quarter, Riley was just pounding the rock with uh, Rodney Anderson, and he was hitting our boy Mark Andrews over the middle, and then finally he just hit that deep kill shot with Brown right at the end there. So I think I'd expect 
a game plan like that where you're sort of attacking the middle of the field with the run and the tight ends, and then that's going to open things up for him up top. Absolutely, and he's probably going to be getting a lot of single coverage as well in that offense, wouldn't you expect? Uh, I would think so, yeah. Um, you're going to be freeing up the middle of the field there, like I said, with uh, Andrews and Hayden Hurst. They're expecting a lot from him at tight end as well. There's a ton of options at running back now with Mark Ingram. Justice Hill is going to come in as a pass-catching guy and obviously the threat of Jackson to run. So you can only commit so many resources to all of those guys. So yeah. uh, Brown is going to get some looks God. for sure. I'm just like I'm just a really sad Steelers fan. <laughs> they're going oh, really? to win four games this year. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to be fine, trust me. <laughs> Because they just signed, they just signed a sexual assault kind of quarterback guy to another extension that never plays. They left Marquise's Brown, Marquise Brown, his cousin Antonio Brown. They kind of just let that all come to fruition, and then Le'Veon Bell go. So, not James Conner's really good. James though. Conner's really good, but he is good. Course. And they got another guy at running back and another guy at receiver who I, I hadn't really heard of the receiver. I think his name is like Deontay Johnson or something. Yeah. But I. I yeah. trust the Steelers when it comes to drafting that position, so we'll see how it works yeah. out. I'm glad you have more faith in the Steelers as a Baltimore Ravens bot- podcast and blog oh, trust than I do. They, they've ripped my heart out enough times <laughs> over the years to know that they're not going anywhere. But So let's talk about DaCosta's drafting and signing other people from Norman. So Orlando mm-hmm. Brown seems to be working out. So does Mark Andrews and Tony Jefferson. What are your thoughts on you know those guys in general? So starting out with Jefferson, he fell out of that 2013 draft. I, I'm just like now retroactively hearing from guys yeah. like Matt Miller and stuff that that was he went undrafted because there were some coaches maybe on Stoop staff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a bit of a yeah. drama thing. Mike here. Stoops is a dick. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that as a personality clash. And so, you know, I think his loss was the Cardinals game when the game when they you know scooped him up there undrafted in 13. I think it was. And then uh, it turned into his game. He, you know, left there. He signed a four-year contract here in Baltimore for around $8 million a year. So he's been pretty good. I, you know, it was a little bit of an up-and-down start there in 2017, but I think he leveled his playoff. He's playing pretty well now, and he's also a really high-character locker room guy, a great leader, really vocal, and I think he projects as an even better pairing. He was good with Weddle, but I think he's an even better pairing with Earl Thomas. Oh, that yeah. range that Thomas has is just going to let him even get closer to the line of scrimmage there, which is a scary thought for other teams. What about the most recent pair or last year's pair of draftees in Orlando Brown and Mark Andrews? I mean, they were drafted what seemed to be like back to back in the third round. It was, yeah, a few picks apart, I think. Yeah, and I think um, Brown, that was a little bit of a legacy pick there because his dad played for the Ravens back yeah. in the day. He grew up in this area. Uh, I had a couple friends that went to, I think, elementary school with him. And it wasn't just a feel good story either. I mean, he slipped to that third round because of the rough combine that he had, and now he's uh, yeah. making every team he passed on him pay for it and he's you know not quiet about it on like social media either which is awesome and he slotted right in there at right tackle he had a little bit of a brief learning period to start the season last year but he never gave the spot back and he played really well and then Andrews um Ozzie Newsom who's you know not the GM anymore but Mm -hmm. he was when they drafted him he knows how to scout tight ends he's a hall of fame tight end himself and uh Andrews a really nice find in the third round there he came in behind Hurst who I mentioned earlier and he wasn't really expected to do a ton in his rookie season but he Smash those expectations out of the water. I think you could argue he was Baltimore's best all-around receiver down the stretch last year after Jackson took over because his skill set worked so well with throwing over the middle of the field. His size mitigated some of the accuracy issues, and he had the great Salt Bay celebration, which you love to see. So I think he's going to yeah. enter the Ravens start enter the season as a Ravens starting tight end this year, and uh, I'm expecting him to have another big year here. 
And something, again, like as a Steelers fan, it really hurts to be in the AFC North and having most of the Sooners go to the AFC North and none of them going to the Steelers. Steelers. Joe yeah. Mixon and Rodney Anderson going to the yeah. Bengals. Baker yeah. Mayfield, of course, the, the second son of Oklahoma. Uh, of course, the Browns and making them somewhat le- pretty legitimate now. And then the Ravens drafting almost every Sooner off the board. And then Pittsburgh just kind of sitting there drafting eight linebackers to draft. Yeah, DaCosta mentioned that they're going to be our new Alabama, that, or the Ravens' new Alabama, because they had such an affinity for those guys under under Newsom, and now um, DaCosta's taking over, and it seems like we're going back to Norman every other pick. So, pretty cool to see. Yeah, it's going to be that Norman is the farm system for Baltimore. But talk about your guys' draft overall. I mean, you were talking about Sooners, and it's really cool, but what do you think of DaCosta's draft overall for Baltimore? So I like it. Uh, I like it a lot. I think I ended up giving him a B plus. I loved the Brown pick. Uh, Powers was another good pick there in the fourth round. Obviously, we touched on both of those guys. But Jalen Ferguson in the third round, pass rusher out of Louisiana Tech. Not a super toolsy guy, but really productive in school. I think he's going to slot in as a starter immediately. And I don't know if he's going to be a Pro Bowl or anything, but he's going to help s- mitigate some of the loss of Terrell Suggs and Zadarius Smith. Um, you pick up, like I mentioned, Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. I'm sure you guys aren't too fond of him. He's pretty, he's, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. He's legit. He's going to be a solid option here because you have Mark Ingram already, who's that sort of between the tackles, power, battering. Forgot about Ingram. <laughs> now he's Gosh. going to be uh, your sort of Alvin Kamara to the Ingram there, catching passes with those soft hands out of the backfield super fast. So that's a good one. Uh, they picked up Amon Biggie Marshall out of USC. I think he's going to get some run at quarter and down the road, but that's more of a future pick. Who else did they get? Miles Boykin, wide receiver from Notre Dame. That's a guy that... Funny enough, he had almost similar numbers to Hollywood or what Hollywood would have projected to have if he weren't injured, and he has like a 6'4 frame at receiver. So I think he might be a little bit of a project, but I think he's going to be a really good player down the road for them. And then sixth round, Trace McSorley, quarterback out of Penn State. I really like that pick, actually. I think he, at very worst, he's going to be a long-term backup option here behind Lamar Jackson, and I think at best he's might even get on the field a little bit here this season. I like McSorley, McSorley a lot. I think he plays a lot of grit. He reminds me of a lot of those BYU quarterbacks that aren't afraid just to stick their neck on the line. Yeah, yeah, like Taysom Hill. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I like him a lot. Now, people like to make comments and comparisons to him and Baker Mayfield with the amount of swagger and the amount of not caring about your body for football. But, of course, one's accuracy is a lot. Yeah, one's accuracy is a lot better than the other. Yeah, right, exactly. I think I don't know if he's going to be Baker. I wish, but he's uh, he's definitely, I think, going to be on this team, and I think he's going to play a role. Well, Jacob, thanks for coming on the podcast just to talk about, you know, Baltimore's draft selection, specifically about the Sooners. I uh, really appreciate you having on. I do have one more question. What's your favorite crab cake in Baltimore? Um, I just like the jumbo lump with a ton of Old Bay on it. There you go. Yep. I'm not a big I'm not a, I'm not a big seafood fan. What? I know. Why? Are you like allergic to shellfish or something? No, I grew up in Oklahoma. Well, I grew yeah, up in Oklahoma not too. Your mouth, my <laughs> if you go to a place that like flies stuff in fresh daily, then it's okay. Otherwise, it's not very safe. Otherwise, you got to like eat fried catfish or something like that, which is fine. But That's I've never weird. really been down there. I kind of want to get down to the uh, Southwest area, kind of like that. Or yeah, yeah, Southwest. Yeah. See, there we go. Yeah, Southwest. It's, um. Are we Southwest? Are we the Midwest? South? Are we the Midwest? I, nobody knows. Yeah. No one here knows. Nobody knows. Because I feel like you're just south of the Midwest there. Yeah, yeah. We're, we say y'all, so we're not quite the Midwest, but like... Uh, well, we say y'all here too, actually, funny enough. Whoa. 
I did not know that. That's confusing. We're kind of we're sort of we're south of the Mason Dixon line. That's true. Yeah. So we have true. A little bit of a, a little bit of a southern twang on our accents here. Google Baltimore <laughs> accent one day. It's a really funny, funny YouTube watch. We'll check that out for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's a good recommendation. Really going off the rails here. <laughs> no, this is fine. This we always go off the rails. It's no big deal. Yeah, but <laughs> we do the same. That's a. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the Mid Atlantic accent's a trip, man. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I've been around Virginia, and they talk really slowly. Depends on where in Virginia, though. Yeah, a lot of variation there. If you're in like like Roanoke, that's like redneck as hell. Like Blacksburg, it's redneck. <laughs> like you draw on the O, like you say, "Hey, mom, I'm going to go home." Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> what? Yeah, that's how it is. Water, we're all out of whack. It's, it's great. <laughs> All right, I guess I, th- I think that's where we're gonna. That's end a good this. place yeah, to. That's a good place to. Yeah, stop, that's but, a good note to end on. Yeah, but yeah, really natural. Good note to end on. Super awesome. Thank you, yeah. Jacob, for coming on and talking about the Ravens with us. Yeah, thanks. Any Sooner fans listening to this? You're down there, in Norman. You don't have a pro team. Take a look at where the pipeline's heading, man. Most Rupert, of them are Rupert, stupid Rupert, Cowboys Rupert. fans, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, j- it's jump true. on the bandwagon. There's always room. <laughs> All right, always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, guys. Be good. Yep. All right. So summer ball, after looking what you saw in spring, after looking at what you saw in the bowl game, but mostly spring, what you hear from practice, what I heard from practice, just spring game in general, what does this team need to do over the summer to win that fifth consecutive Big 12 title? Figure out the safety position. <laughs> <laughs> Who the hell is going to play safety? Right. Like, in, is that terrifying to you yeah yeah absolutely because i mean that's been that's been a constant issue for the past however many years like you think about like when is the last time oklahoma got good safety play was it ahmad thomas's junior year his junior year was 2015 right? 2015 so that would be ahmad thomas and stephen parker back there i think so yeah that that was competent yeah. safety play Maude Thomas had an okay year. Stephen Parker was a pretty good player at Oklahoma. Yeah. That was decent safety play, and that Oklahoma defense really wasn't that bad. It was pretty good. Because yeah, you had Stryker. Yeah, which, you had Stryker. And then you had Thomas just able to kill people. Charles Tapper playing really that's well, right. getting yeah, to the quarterback. Right. And know, that, was, was, that was the year that Oklahoma basically retook over, retook, I don't even know if that's a word, but they took over the Big 12 yeah. once again. Yeah. And then just stranglehold on it for the past four years. And because I remember when Ahmad Thomas was being drafted, and I don't even know if he's in the NFL right now. He but, was uh, with the uh, the Colts for a little bit last okay. year, but I don't know if he's going to be this year. But he 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 was on some uh, he had some practice squad time last okay. year, I believe, and maybe a little bit of roster time, like for like a week or something like that. But I just remember when he was being drafted, a lot of scouts came out and said, "You know what? His junior year tape is really good. Mm-hmm. What happened to senior year?" <laughs> I didn't have Eric Stryker. No, he didn't. And now that was the issue, right? Yeah, that was a big yeah, issue. Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma hasn't had a good pass rush since 2015. I mean, we had Oboe. He was pretty good. Oboe was good, but like it wasn't. He was the only source of it yeah. at that point. Right. So I mean, Oklahoma you obviously Stryker and Bond. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you. Uh, you know, it was Oboe. Obviously, had a good year, but you would say in general in 2017 the pass rush wasn't up to snuff as a whole. That's fair. That's very fair. There was always an issue. The The defensive line was never getting a push. So Oboe 
there was times when that was hurting Oboe as well. Mm-hmm. So was didn't he? Oh, what game was it? Was it Texas Tech or TCU? After the game, they literally had to cart him off. After the game, like they had to cart him off, like on a stretcher because he had wasted all of his body fluids. I think it was TCU. Uh huh. Like he had basically drained his entire body, so they had to get him like on like a stretcher or a wheelchair and take him into the locker room. That's unreal. That is unreal. Yeah, I love that dude. I wish they would have sent Mike Stoops <laughs> out of the their locker room on a stretcher. Yeah. I mean, rumor has woulda, it that coulda, he, shoulda. rumor has that he almost was at yeah. the Red River Rivalry this past year. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> <laughs> who the hell do you believe on that account? Yeah, for I mean, real. I think it's somewhere in between. Probably, yeah. But I think I think what the summer what the team needs to do over the summer to win a Big Twelve title for a fifth year in a row, you know, they're not. I don't think they're at the point where they're going to outscore everybody again. I think they're going to have to play defense. Oh yeah, and I think they will to a degree. And honestly, I'm just going to go with some basic stuff: tackle whoever has the ball and do it well. That was a big portion that of their issues last year. Seems to be the year. long and short of what Grinch is stressing at yeah. this point too. That was that was their biggest issue last year. Like last year, I don't I don't give a damn if you like, like. Okay, do I care if you drop an interception? Yes, like that's that could be a game changer. But what I care most about is why is Army just running through your tackles? Yeah, that was upsetting. I mean, and you know, why is Kansas putting up thirty five points on you in the fourth quarter by just running the ball? That was one of the weirdest games. I know you history. I mean, that was. I mean, I'm trying to figure out why it was necessarily that weird. I mean, Kansas was obviously horrible, and they sort of like hung around, never to the point where they were really threatening, but always sort of hanging around to the point where it was a little embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It was like Oklahoma was waiting for them to give up. Like, come on, bro. Like, seriously, that game sort of lost in a fog for me. That's probably why I think it's so weird. But it's just I don't know. Oklahoma. They're going to have to play some defense, and I think it starts up with the front seven. I know you talk about the safeties. I think, to me, it starts up in the front seven. Get pressure on the damn quarterback. Yeah. By rushing four, rushing five. And Grinch has been far more aggressive in his fronts. He's been far more aggressive in practice, and, and it, to the point where it's frustrating Lincoln Riley that they're pressing a lot, and they're putting, high safe, they're putting safeties high. And so basically... Yeah, you're going to press and you're going to blitz. At the same time, you're not going to let them pop the top off the defense. Exactly. And it's pissing Riley off, yeah. which is really good. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And, um, of course, once you get guys back from the defensive backfield, when you're not just playing Delary and Turner Yale and Patrick Field, it's going to help. But I think it's going to start up front. Can you get pressure? Because that was a big deal last year. There's no oboe. There's no striker in bond. There, you and, had, who, and who was that going to be this year exactly. at, at that jackbacker position? I mean, if Jalen Redmond is not ready to go, that's the biggest if on earth. Right. Is Nick Benito going to be ready? I think he's probably the next man up, honestly. If, if he's able to put on some weight and over the summer, then he's he's probably the guy who has the best chance of creating right. some just direction like, just I because like he's so quick. And you would think, outside of Redmond, obviously. This is one of the... This is one of the because obviously you would prefer to have Perkins on oh, the line, of course. If, if I mean, if at all possible, that would be best for that. That would be the most conducive to success. This is one of the scenarios that you're going to say the sum of the parts is better than the individual pieces of it. Yeah, and switching to a one gap scheme 
and really training hard on it in the summer instead of just flipping in the season and trying to give him like a one one gap scheme for dummies and like for especially for the linebackers how to how to focus and play off of that um, I think it's going to help him out a lot because they're a defense in transition and I still think they'll be transitioning in the first few games but you'll see them hit strides hopefully by midseason as far as forcing turnovers and getting playing a lot faster and I think that's going to be a big thing is just getting to the quarterback because we didn't see a lot of that. And then you had the proverbial Mike Stoops like, oh, it's third and eight. Let me rush three and get absolutely no pressure whatsoever and let people run by us in a zone and just settle in a pocket because Kenneth Murray definitely knows how to play zone at Mike. He doesn't. Yeah, not at all. So, I mean, it's one of those things that you need to He's blitz. had two years to figure it out. I mean, granted, he was thrown into the fire right, way too early. Fair. He shouldn't have had to start at middle linebackers a true freshman. He that was be starting at middle linebackers. Thanks, Tim Kish. But uh, <laughs> because, yeah, and, and Tim Kish, like Bryce Youngquist, had some stuff going on. Yeah, obviously. Um, we're not going to talk about it because it's it's his business. It's a personal stuff. Jacob Phillips, LSU paid more. Yeah. Um, the bag man cometh. Yeah. And there's there's some stuff with the trainer involved as well, and it's we won't get into specifics because. It'll come out eventually in a 30 for 30 probably. And, I mean, you lose out on Tay Evans. Yeah. that See, yeah, he, he did have some bad breaks. I will give it's, Tim Kish yeah. that. But, I mean, also Tim Kish didn't really right. recruit up to snuff for the most part. He did get Deshaun White at the end there. That yeah, was nice. That was big. Yeah. And people will blame him for Anthony Wheeler at Texas. Yeah. Because he was in the fold and then all of a sudden just not. Yeah. So, I mean... The front seven is what's going to matter for Oklahoma this year to get that Big 12 title, I think. And really, if you're Alex Grinch, what's your number one emphasis going into summer ball? Kind of what you said. I mean, I mean, I think a lot of the... Uh, he's not just in here to uh, bring in a scheme that necessarily fits the Big 12. That's a big part of it. Yep. But I think he's brought in just as much to... Uh, sort of influence the culture, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. I, I think, think that's and, and that's going to be a big part of uh, the whole thing. And obviously, uh, Benny Wiley's going to play a big part in that as well. He's essentially the uh, the strength and conditioning coach. He's the one who has his hands on them in the summer. Yep. So he's the one who is as responsible for the culture of the program and toughness and stuff like that as much as anyone is. Definitely. So Benny Wiley's going to have a part in that as well. But... uh you know, I think, uh, and you're seeing a little bit of that right off the bat. Grinch is holding people accountable. He's saying stuff like, if you can't tackle, you can't play on my defense yep. and stuff like love that. Love that. Love it. Sooner fans obviously are going to love that, oh, as yes. they should. So I, I think it's going to be more cultural than anything. I mean, ob- and obviously the schematic stuff's going to play a role, but I think uh, the thing that stands out here yeah. is cultural. That's fair. And what I'll say is, one of my number one emphasis for if I'm Alex Grinch heading into summer ball is playing faster. And and I, I like what I like what that uh, Mike Leach said because I think last year last year about this time I got the opportunity to talk with Mike Leach on a podcast and that was in itself fun. We talked about conspiracy theories. That was, we're gonna have to do that again. Oh, we're gonna have to get yeah. him on this one. I, I think I, st- I still have his cell phone number. Oh man, I have Afro Man's cell phone number. Really? We should get him on too. Hell yeah. Afro Man and Mike Leach. How fun would that be? Oh my god! How about that? Because I remember I, I went through like I went to Washington State's 
director of athletics. I was like, hey, uh, can we... Uh, the actual AD or the SID? The uh, SID. Okay, there you go. And then I was like, hey, uh, you know, would Mike Stoops be open? Not Mike Stoops. Oh, God, no. Mike Leach. Mike, <laughs> Mike, Mike the guy that I was, used to get those names mixed up way back in the day. But. Would Mike Leach be open to coming on a podcast, you know, just to talk about football in general and life, I guess? And you know, it was, it was more professional than that. And I, I guess, think whoever their SID is at Washington State's like, hell yeah, he's up for that. <laughs> and they're like, so he's not going to say anything different than he says at his press conferences already. So yeah. he's not going to get us in trouble. So he was like, although um, sometimes he sort of toes that line. Said, yeah, let me, let me. Uh, he's in a meeting right now, but let me, let me check afterwards. I was like, and it was a pretty immediate email. I was like, uh, okay, looks like we're getting somewhere. <laughs> and then one day, um, they said, yeah, he'll contact you at. You know, I it, they didn't have Skype. He didn't want to do Skype. Yeah. So um, he just said, you know, what's your phone number? And so like I got my I I got my phone out, and they literally I get a phone call from a Lubbock area code, and I was like, are you <laughs> kidding me? It's freaking Mike Leach on the other end, and he's like walking home from like football practice at work, and he's like stalking talking to stop to like random like people in the street. <laughs> During the middle of our discussion, we definitely have to do this yeah. now. Yeah, it's amazing. He talks about Geronimo, but like one of the oh, big well, things, yeah. I lost Geronimo and Ghosts. Loves Geronimo. And uh, but one of the things he loved in his offense is what I want for the defense, and he even mentioned it in his affinity for Pirates and Geronimo and their the way they have warfare, reckless abandon, play freaking fast. You're gonna probably make mistakes. That's okay. Make your mistakes at 100 miles an hour. There you Do go. not be hesitant. And that's what I'm looking for from Alex Grinch. You play as fast as you can every single snap. Will you make a mistake? Yes. But your effort and how fast you can make these plays is what really matters. So that's what I'm looking for as far as I'm Grinch. Now, what about if you're, I mean, if you're Lincoln Riley, there's not much you could complain about in this offense. But if you are Lincoln Riley, what's one thing you would like emphasized heading into summer ball? Ooh, I mean, I mean the offensive line sort of comes to mind, but that's more Beedenbo's department, obviously. Right. Beedenbo, you're you sort of delegate that to Beedenbo. That's his area. He'll figure it out. But at the same time, Beedenbo, he's in kind of a unique predicament because I guess I guess Creed will probably be back fairly soon. Oh yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, but you're still waiting on Proctor. Proctor, yeah. So you're still sort of waiting for the full product. You're there. still feeling it out. So you're. I mean, you were obviously feeling things out in the spring, mm-hmm. trying people oh out at God. different positions. Bray Walker at guard, yeah. inexplicably. I don't like that. At don't all. like that at all. But he'll be back at tackle. Yeah. You would think. I so, feel uh, confident saying that. Now, Daryl Simpson might stay inside. That seems more realistic. I think. Is it Daryl or Darrell? I don't know. You should ask him. Yeah, we'll have to have him on the podcast. Yeah. No, we won't. Mike Howe wouldn't allow that. But uh, <laughs> hi, Mike. Um, but uh. No, I think he would make a decent guard, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think he'd be fine. Yeah, I think he would too. But um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, other than that, I mean, yeah, there's. there's I mean, you're gonna lot. you're gonna figure. I mean, I'm sure he already has in mind what he wants to do with Jalen Hurts right, offensively. Right. He'll probably tinker around a little more between now and then. I'm sure he will. But I mean, let's see, running back, you're covered. Yeah, receiver, I, you're covered. I think the thing is honestly. And it'll it'll be a players only a players only sort of deal where, you know, 
Lincoln is not going to see him during the summer. It's the, yeah. it's, it's Wiley. Ben Wiley, it's yeah. strength and conditioning staff. And but I think what they're going to ask him to do is, especially because he is going to be QB one. Jalen Hurts. I mean, they're not going to officially announce it right now, but it's pretty yeah. much there to build continuity with his receivers. So go run routes. That's true. With yeah, each other, especially with these. Fam- yeah, I mean, he's everyone's going to be essentially a freshman in his eyes yes. because he's never worked with any of them. So so getting familiar with your personnel, getting familiar with routes, just going and running routes after practice or after conditioning, I think would be really his big emphasis because it yeah. helped with it helped with Bake and it helped with Kyler both times. And it's it was good to see like Jalen and C D running routes at exactly yeah. CD's high school like during what was it? What break was it? Like spring break? I think so, yeah. So that's always good to see. Yeah. So right now They could have been down in Panama City or Padre or wherever the hell, be. but they were in uh they were in uh D F W or where where were they? Somewhere in or no, they were at, were they at CD's high school? Yeah. It was at okay, CD's. so down near Houston. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah. Anyway, it's so, not a big spring break up. So. Not a spring break. I mean, I'm yeah. sure they had fun, but I'm sure they, they prob- did. They probably went different before. kind of fun, maybe. Sure. So this team's ceiling, how high is it? Is it college football playoff? Is it just Big Twelve title? Is it college football playoff? Yeah, probably maybe not a natty yet. Okay. Not quite yet. I think you know Clemson, Alabama. That's still the two. But I think you maybe if you don't get Clemson or Alabama in the first round, <laughs> you can get to the second round. You can right. get to the final. I think they're, I think they have a chance to be the probably the third best team in college football. I think that's realistic. Okay, Georgia's going to be really good though. Yeah, so that's going to be tough. But uh, especially you know, it, they it, they, they're in the SEC though, so yeah. who knows what's going to happen there? So they, they could drop a game to someone, or they could lose their second game in the SEC championship to Alabama again and get knocked out again. Georgia's it's getting tough. really good. It's tough to get in as a second team, even if you're an SEC school. Georgia's getting really good, especially, you know, when yeah. when they get caught cheating. And for what they do offensively, yeah. Fromm is perfect for them. I yeah. mean he's he's I mean he's definitely in the more traditional quarterback mold, but he's he pretty much checks every box for a quarterback of that nature, wouldn't yeah. you say? I mean he's yeah. he's a He's, he's perfectly a game, capable. He's a guy. game manager. Kind oh yeah, of guy. he's a game manager. But I mean, he's also got a decent arm. Yeah, he's a pretty accurate guy. He's very poised. I mean, he's some. He's someone who could theoretically win a national championship for their sure. I mean, he almost did it as a freshman. I mean, he's he's good enough to lead them. Yeah, you would think. Well, as long as Georgia stops like doing illegal things in the recruiting trail, <laughs> I think they'll be fine. I mean. Or as long as they keep doing it and don't get caught. Yeah. I mean, well, didn't they? Didn't they get cheating, busted? Trying. Didn't they get busted like not that long ago for something? Like there was some report that came out about like. I'm sure whatever it is, it'll it be, wasn't in good the, in the grand scheme. It will be inconsequential. Yeah. I mean, it, it won't matter because all the big boys do it, and nobody yeah. wants to tattle on each other because exactly, no one wants to tattle on each other. The tattles, NCAA knows yeah. who brings them the bread. So when somebody tattles, everybody loses all of, all of their mind. You know, I think I don't. I don't think their ceiling is. Their ceiling is college football playoff. I re- I really don't think that, and I think a lot of it is. I don't think the defense is ready to make the big of a leap. Yeah, I think that their ceiling. I think it's a big. I think their ceiling could be a Big Twelve title for sure. Yeah, I mean, they. You still, think they can make the college football playoff though? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Do, do I think they can make like a legitimate bowl game? Like. 
a, a, a bowl like game. A New Year's Six. I mean, like if they year. win the Big 12, they're in a New Year's yeah. Six. They're do, in I, sh- yeah, they're do I think they can be in a New Year's Six Bowl? I think that's probably their ceiling. I don't think college football playoff is in the cards this year. I mean, the, the schedule sets up for them well. If they lose yeah. one game, then they're probably in. So, there you go. That's kind of how I see it happening. I don't, I don't see them losing more than one game, honestly. I feel like they could... Let's see. TCU at home, Texas Tech at home, West Virginia at home. Right. Uh, they got Stillwater's going to be tough. Yep. Got Iowa State at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baylor's going to be tough in Waco, mm-hmm. for sure. They're going to be good. Um, I mean, the non-con is not bad. No, and the non-con's manageable, yeah. But yeah, it's, totally. it's good enough to where it's not going to hurt you from a strength of schedule standpoint. I just... That defense scares me, yeah. especially when you. there's going to be some games I think Jalen Hurts going to have to throw the ball 35 times plus a game, and yeah. he's never done that in his career. That's true. And that kind of scares me too. Now, will that scare me? Like, if he's throwing 70% through the first five games, well, then I'll be less scared. Duh. Yeah. But as of now, just the product we've seen, uh, just notes out of camp and just things I've been told out of camp, their ceiling's high, no doubt. Yeah. Like, let's let's not say that like, oh yeah, man, their ceiling's only a New Year's six. Like, how shitty is that? Like, that's really good. Yeah, that's still good. Uh, but I mean, because the standards at Oklahoma, you're like, yeah. Well, god damn it, why aren't they in the national title? Because it's been almost twenty. Like by the time the next college football playoffs gets played, it'll be twenty years since yeah. the last title. Not they haven't been really close several times, but I digress. But you want to go some Twitter questions? Yeah, let's do it. So, at Mitch Hamak. I'm sorry if I'm saying it, your name wrong, Mitch. Hammock? Hammock or Hamak. It doesn't matter. Hammock. Let's do it. Let's Mitch okay. Hamak. He says, the chances that CD is the first receiver taken in the draft next year, what would his year have to look like statistically for that to happen? It would have to be huge because Jerry Judy is probably going to uh, be the first Jerry one. Jerry Judy's so overrated. You think so? It pisses me off. C.D. Lamb is so much a better wide receiver than Jerry Judy. They're both pretty fucking good. I think C.D. Lamb is a lot better. I think C.D. Lamb, if he has a year that we want him to have, of course I'm saying we want him to have, in comparison to like what he will have, he could be like best wide receiver ever at Oklahoma. Oh no, I agree too. With yeah, the tools if, he has. if he has a, I think if he has like a. 1200 yard season and yeah. like more than 10 touchdowns he probably goes down as the best receiver in OU history I would think because, because of having three big years like that I would yeah. think because I mean the best season for a wide receiver ever at OU was uh D.D. Westbrook winning the yep. Blitnikoff and just going off but like uh and he has so many more tools concerned, yeah I mean it's yeah yeah he's a complete guy but like uh I think he can go top 15 for sure Definitely, definitely. I, I think Judy will probably be up in that conversation as well, though. Jerry, didn't Jerry Judy win the Belenikoff? Yes. Yeah, he did. He completely robbed so many other more deserving wide receivers. I think they were more deserving as far as production's concerned. But as far as skill, I don't know. He's pretty fucking great. I disagree, but okay, that's fine. I just, I think, I just think there's so many better wide receivers than Jerry Judy. Now, is Jerry Judy like... Is he a great talent? Yeah, he's yeah, a great that's, talent. That's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, he's but someone just, who's going to impress GMs. I just don't. I think there's so many other good ones that, I don't know. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to have over a 1,000-yard receive, uh, receiving season. I think he'll have, what, over under eight touchdowns. I'd go over. 
Yeah, definitely over. I'd go over 10. And just having that year and having, you know, the the wide receiver core you're bringing back, I mean, I feel confident that he'll be drafted in the first round. Oh, yeah. If yeah. anything, he'll be drafted second round. Yeah, he'll be... He'll make a lot of money for sure. Tylen Wallace, I think, could be up there as well. Yep. I think the first two rounds guy. He's good. For sure. Yeah, he's great. Matt at the Repair Report says, which is better, cotton candy or pistachio ice cream? Not applicable. You don't like either? Nope. Mm-mm. Really? No. Uh, cotton candy is uh, trash, for one. <laughs> and uh, pistachio ice cream, I'm sure it is good, but I'm allergic to pistachios, so can't do oh. it. Yeah. Good to Not know. like deathly allergic, but like uh, throat irritation and shit yeah. like that, so I don't need it. So. I will never bring pistachios over for treats. Did I say applicable? Yes. I meant applicable. A- That's a hard one to say. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. No, it's not. It's like you just ate a bowl full of pistachios and tried to say applicable. Applicable. You know, I hadn't had cotton candy in a long time, and I've never had pistachio ice cream, but I do like pistachios. So They taste good, yeah. for sure, yeah. I don't know. So I guess I'd take that. But Philip at okay at okay text R poke. He's one of the guys from the ten twelve podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Says which with four of OU's off five offensive linemen, excuse me, getting drafted. What should Sooner fans' expectations for the position group be in two thousand and nineteen? Kind of like we've been saying, it's going to be a process. Yeah, they'll be. A but process. by the end of the year, they're going to be really good. And I think that's what Bill Bidemo does every year, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. That. So it was last year. For talent sure. level's good. Uh, the talent level's there. They seem to fit the pieces where they make the most sense for the time being. I think their offensive line is gonna kill people next year, like 2021. But I don't know if Creed Humphrey will be the center. You don't think so? I don't know if he. he will I mean, be. he he. I mean, he could easily be. A, he could be a. All American guard, I, of course. So yeah, Creed Humphrey is probably the one of the best centers to come through in the modern era for Oklahoma. Yeah, like and that's just flat out. Yeah, he's the best center ever in the Bob Stoops Lincoln Riley era. Yeah, he, he's got to be the preseason pick to be the All American at center. Yeah, you would say, but he could be an All American at guard too. Definitely. So so if they yeah. need to switch him around, then who knows? But. But yeah, we, we talked about the offensive line quite a bit, so we yeah. can kind of skirt on to Nick at Two Cranes. He asks, is Texas back? <laughs> no. I hate Sam Hellinger. I hate him too. <laughs> he just, he has such a punchable face. I don't know. He looks like he's been punched in the face like every, that's true. every yeah. day in his life. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe that's why he's got so many concussions, because he has been punch his face every day in his life who knows i don't know he, i don't like him he he remembers every person that's ever done a horns down and he won't forget it even half of his teammates that took visits to ou and took a picture with the horns down good grief i mean what can you say about a guy that's friends with brecken hager how uh, yeah there you go but yeah. uh i mean how can you be that like publicly soft i mean that, that's just i mean think before you tweet son i mean come on it's absurd. You knew you were going to get made fun of. That's something that Chris Sims would have tweeted when he was oh, at Texas God. if they had Twitter back then. I remember he said that Mike Stoops was on his bad list. That, <laughs> see, that's like a Sam <laughs> thing to say. They're kindred spirits. He's, 
See, Mike Stoops is on our bad list now. Yeah. He's like, so we have yeah. a bit more in common with Chris Sims now, but. Gosh. What is Chris Sims even up to? Is he? He's like, a commentator he's a now. Commentator, right? He's, a, for he's Fox better Sports. than his dad, which isn't saying much, but he's. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> his dad's really bad, though. He's so bad. Chris Collinsworth is way better. I right. love the slide yeah. that Collinsworth, Collinsworth does. Good. Collinsworth's good. It's great. But te- so, what is back for Texas realistically though? Because you got to think. Oh right. no, th- their defense is back for sure. Todd yeah. Orlando's legit. Orlando's good. Yeah, he's legit. But uh, Tim Beck sucks. So OU has that going for it. Yeah. But I mean, I I was talking about this the other day. Texas, they have what three national titles in their entire history, right? Uh, I think th- I think it, four. Is the, the Colt it's McCoy won the four? Or well, the Young, fourth was the Vince Williams. Vince Young was four. Yeah. So, like, what, they have four national titles in their entire history. And in the history of the Big 12, they have always been playing second fiddle to Oklahoma. Yeah, always. essentially, yeah. Unless it's a down year for Oklahoma. And yeah, your quarterback, 2005 and 2009, and those your, were down years for And your quarterback decides to you know, take money from big red sports and imports. And then another quarterback decides to get multiple shoulder injuries. Not, he doesn't decide to, it just happens. Yeah. That was rough. And, uh, yeah, I hate BYU. I hate him. Gosh. And, um, other than those two things, Oklahoma has run the big 12. Now their, their history of the Southwest conference. Sure. You know, good, great, grand. Oklahoma's in the big eight, you know, that didn't really matter. But is Texas back? Well, they haven't regularly won national titles. That's not their history. Or they haven't regularly won conference championships, especially in the last twenty years. Yeah, they haven't won national titles and been on that stage as frequent as Oklahoma. So, in the grand scheme of Texas, I guess you could say they're back to normal. And I, granted, I will say they will be back as far as the draft is concerned. Yeah, I, I think that's going to turn around. Their little skid, I think, it, which which concluded this year, yeah. I think after in a year or two, that's going to be sort of a thing of the past. Yeah. I think they're going to be doing well in that regard. But uh, defensively, anyways, I don't know. Tom Herman, I feel like if he doesn't get in his own way, they him. could be pretty. Yeah, he but he will get in his own way. He's so like thin skinned and such a. A hardo, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's he's just he has implosion written all over him. So yeah. we'll see. I could see that. Vod- vodka Tom. Vodka Tom, yeah. Taking like vodka and then G two Gatorade from the Houston Athletic Facilities. Is that what he did? Yeah. I didn't know that. It's good times. I know uh, Paul Wall made him a grill. I thought that was pretty cool. Was, I kind of I kind of liked Tom Herman see, at that point. I, I liked it when he was at Houston. Yeah, I was, was like, oh Houston, look, and yeah, he that's was, cute. That's fun. He kisses players good night. That's weird. That part was weird, yeah. But they're like, oh, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, he's going to be the next coach at Texas. Like, oh, I hate that bastard. Yeah. He's a dumbass. Yeah. He's truly a hateable coach. Like, towards the end of Mac Brown's tenure, you couldn't really hate Mac Brown anymore. He was an old guy. Yeah. He was nice. Early in his tenure, you hated him, but when he was, you know, an old guy, yeah. you kind of were like, eh, whatever. And then he always has then, nice uh, things to say about Oklahoma, especially always, now. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, Charlie Strong, who was, you could respect the hell out of him. You couldn't hate Charlie Strong. He was cool. Yeah. He obviously didn't work out, but he's not a bad football coach, honestly. I think he's, although it's kind of going in the wrong direction at South Florida, so we'll see. But, um, yeah, yeah, Tom Herman's... uh going to be a fun guy to hate for a long time. 
Hope his I think. team bus runs him over. <laughs> I mean, it's like, so is Texas back? I think I think they're back to what they've historically been, which I is, think, yeah. which is they'll compete for something big every once in a while, even though they have the most, like, they have the most resources at their hands. That's why they're the most disappointing program in the history exactly. of college. <clears throat> Texas and Georgia. Georgia's which another I just, one. I just never understand that Texas has almost the same amount of resources uh, monetarily, uh, facilities, players, as Ohio State does. Yeah. Uh, Texas, of course, is bigger. Mm-hmm. And Ohio State makes it work every single year. Texas is a much larger talent pool to pull from. Yeah. And they still can't get it done. And they still finish in the top 10 every year in recruiting. And so they're, they're like, I'm just like wondering how the, those fans are just not disappointed every single year because they're playing second well, fiddle see, to OU. They've, uh, if you've sort of noticed trends on Twitter, they're sort of resorting to Aggie logic a little bit. Like doing stuff like <laughs> claiming that, well, the Red River rivalry, the uh, Golden Hat Trophy, that's more important than winning the Big 12. Just out for no reason Is at all, though? just kind of saying things. It did, No, of course not. Big 12 is bigger. That was the one that was actually a game yeah. of consequence. Because, you know, Oklahoma got to go get a chance to win a national title. Yeah. And not you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you don't get rings for the... And, I mean, they now they're really sort of hammering in the whole, oh, well, your roster is made up of Texans. Well, what does that say about yeah. the University of Texas... If Oklahoma is going in and taking your players and consistently and performing talent. at a higher level than yeah. you are, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Oh, and, I, and I posted screenshots you should of, be those, embarrassed. of those emails I received the other day. I don't, those emails are out of the blue. Yeah. And Welcome to blogging. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was what I was like, And this guy was like, hey, uh, you know, it, they called they called the Norman, they called the they called them the North Austin Sooners or something like that. Austin's pretty cool, so that's not and, really a insult. I mean, whatever. And they uh, they just talked about like, what's it say about your program? We have to have Texas kids every year. What does it say about your program said, if yeah. they suck? <laughs> you know, oh it's the it's the school in the state of Texas with the most resources and the biggest fan base. Why aren't you consistently beating Oklahoma? Yeah. But that's the norm. Feel bad about yourselves. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, what's that say about Texas and why they want to come up north and play for Lincoln Riley and Bob Stoops consistently and actually win things? And like one of his digs, I remember seeing this, he was like, oh, well, the state of Oklahoma doesn't produce as much talent as the state of Texas. Fucking duh, dude. (laughs) Like there's 28 million people in Texas and 4 million in Oklahoma. They got to go elsewhere. What the hell do you expect? Yeah, people are people in general are pretty bad, especially when they email. If they think of the type of person That'll that it see. takes to say, "Hmm, I see a blog post from SB Nation. I'm going to write this person an email and speak my mind." God, I mean, think of the type of like non-sex having person that it takes to like <laughs> do something like that. He would never sign. He he wouldn't give me his Twitter handle. I said, hey, "I was like, hey, everybody on Twitter wants to know." what your twitter handle is (laughs) well he's probably not on twitter he's probably on facebook and an email chain is what i'm guessing you're probably right and on orange bloods 100 percent 100 percent. orange bloods for sure so let's talk let's talk about something that's not football oriented game of thrones season eight episode three 
thoughts? It left a bit to be desired. Generally, it was good. There were plenty of good moments. It was entertaining. It was a little dark, like literally dark. Literally dark, like turning all the brightness yeah. up. But I kind of like that effect a little bit, honestly. Yeah. I don't know what specifically it was missing, but it was missing something. But Did generally good, and I'm death. I'm looking forward to the last three episodes because all of the magic nonsense is sort of in the rearview mirror. Yep. And now it's back to the backstabbing, which is what truly makes Game of Thrones great. So the entire episode. Looking forward to it. I Plus the in, mountain and the hound oh, fighting. Yes, one hundred percent. The entire episode. I was just in awe of how much of a badass Arya Stark is. Yeah. Like, this woman is going... I feel like people could have been more original on Twitter other than saying, OMG, Arya. Yeah. They could have been a bit... Some of it was good, but then... Like, the first time I saw the Arya Damian Lillard <laughs> meme thing, I was like, ah, that's pretty clever. But then everyone... People who follow each other yeah. are doing the same thing. I'm like, guys... Come on. You don't have to rub it in. There are Oklahomans watching you. You know, you think about our feelings, too. <laughs> this is upsetting. Yeah. I don't know. We like Arya. We generally respect Damian Lillard, but that was a not great moment for the Thunder. And so it leaves Oklahomans feeling sort of... NBA Twitter Sort of uh, happy and triggered at once, which yeah. is a very odd feeling. NBA Twitter gives... NBA Twitter's not good. Yeah. It's not good. So, what are your thoughts on Bran just, just kind of hanging out the entire episode? Like, was he just, like, playing well, with Well, what else, is he, what else is he going to do, though? He, he had, like, the Ravens, and he did a little, like, recon with the Ravens. Like, the entire time, though? I'm trying to think of what else he... I mean, he could have... Why would he take control of a dragon, though? Because uh, John and Danny have the dragons. Right, They're capable right. of doing all that. They ride Gosh. the dragons. I just was, I was just annoyed by him by the entire episode. I was like, oh, so... And he can't warg into the Night King. Yeah. Some people thought he might do that. I was yeah. like, nah, he's not going to do that. I was, like, I was like, is he the Night King? Oh, nah. And then, so like, yeah, he wargs into the Ravens. And they're just like flying around. Can't see anything, just like most of the episode from the Ravens and us as the viewers. John's about to take on an ice dragon. And he wants to die. And then you have Sansa and Tyrion talking about stuff in the crypts. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're my best husband because the other two were uh, Joffrey and Ramsey Bolton. So yeah. not hard to beat. And then just Arya, man. And yeah. you, have the, you have the Hound just being a little pussy. It's like just kind of reverting back to his season two self where he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. This is stupid. He's like, I'm going to go. Everybody's dying. This is pointless. And the guy's like, well, what about I her? I don't think he called anyone the C-word this time. He yeah. likes to call people the C-word, and he didn't do that. He didn't. That was sort of disappointing. I think he was just too terrified. Yeah, maybe. And then what's-his-face is like, well, I mean, like, she's working her ass off. And you have Arya doing backflips and front flips off the tops of buildings. And he's like, oh, crap, I guess I should go do something. And then, uh, really, the entire episode for me, I have to go rewatch it. I still haven't rewatched it. I need to. I'll probably, Do you want to know what was better than the episode of Game of Thrones on Sunday? What was better? The episode of Barry right after it. Have you watched Barry I've before? Never watched it's Barry. fantastic with Bill Hader, Oklahoman. Oh, he's very good. I've heard of that show. He's from Cash Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he plays a hitman who 
goes to do a job in L.A. and ends up in an acting class somehow and, like, finds it as his passion. And he's trying <laughs> to separate himself from his life as a hitman, and it doesn't quite work out, <laughs> so they kind of conflict. It's a really good show. I like Hater a lot. Oh, yeah, he's outstanding. But, like, yeah, this, without providing too much detail, this episode that comes on immediately after and is obviously completely overshadowed by Game of Thrones, it, <laughs> it was, like... You know the fight scenes from uh, Pineapple Express? Yeah, yeah. It was like an entire episode of this. It was so just absurd, but like well-written, kind mm-hmm. of. It, it, it's. Di- I'm not going to go too much into it, but it, it, I, I was screaming laughing so hard at it. It was, it was outstanding. I'll have to check it out. You need to check out Barry for sure. Jeez. But hey, you know, it's Thursday night. or Tomorrow's Friday, man. Yeah. It's about to be the weekend. What's your plans? Ooh, uh, Friday, going to a wedding. Is it good a, friend of mine? It's an open bar wedding. It's Catholic, so probably. Oh, it's okay. But like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, one of my lifelong friends, Clayvon. Shout out Clayvon if you're listening. Uh, getting married. Congratulations. I'll see you tomorrow night. But uh, that on Friday night and Saturday, I'm conflicted. I might go cover the OU baseball game up in the press box. They're playing Texas Tech. It's a big series. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to go get drunk at Remington Park and watch the Kentucky Derby. So, both blog pretty good options. or fun? Yes. I don't know. The answer is yes. We'll see. And then Sunday, i got to work. So, You know, I'm just going to kick back and enjoy my weekend. Because it's like, I'm honestly, what I'm probably going to do is watch the NBA playoffs. Hope the Rockets at least win one game against the Warriors. Because I can't stand the Warriors. I hate the Warriors. Of course. The worst. And They're going to be done after this year, though. You know they're. I mean, I'm or K- well, KD at least is going to be gone, yeah. but they'll probably have most of the rest of their core there, so who knows. But, but, you know, everybody's caught up in the West where they're competitive, so it doesn't really matter too much. True that. And so, I mean, I'll probably watch a lot of NBA playoffs. And, you know, I really haven't thought about what I'm going to do this weekend. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna watch a little bit of NHL playoffs too. Shout out to my second cousin, Colin Wilson, who plays for the Colorado Avalanche. That's awesome. They're down two one, I believe, in their series right now, but they're gonna come back and win the series. For I hear sure. calling it. I hear NHL playoffs like from my my buddy Nick, who covers NBA but lives down in Dallas. He has gone to several Stars games and says that. Playoff hockey is something it's unbelievable. It's fantastic. It's better than playoff basketball. I'll say it. It really is. It, it's just, if you're like a fan without a rooting interest, mm-hmm. it's the hockey is more entertaining, yeah. I will say. And I and I love basketball. I love the NBA as a whole better than the NHL, but the playoffs in the NHL, it's there's so much parity. And you can fight with that you, and you, still play. Well, it, there's not as much fighting in the playoffs, but right. like... Uh, yeah, it's just the drama is incredible. And you you genuinely don't know who's going to win. The top team in every division, I believe, got beat in the first round in the NHL playoffs. Hmm. It's kind of a crapshoot. Wow. Is there any other sport where you can just like start fist fighting and just like, you, oh, you get two minutes timeout and then you come back and start playing again? Mm, I'm sure there's something in like some country. We should put that policy in an all-America sport, all-American sports. I don't know. Like, uh, Even softball. I'm not sure if there's one that includes like being put in a box for it and just being shorthanded. I'm, there are a lot of sports that involve fighting, like uh, 
What is that? Royal Shrove type? Hold on. Let me look this up. What? Hold on. Royal Shrove. Royal Shrove Tide football. It's literally, it's this town in England. They have a ball, and half the town is on this one team, and half the town is on another team. And they're, like, trying to get the ball to one end of the town, and it's just this mob scene. And they're, like, breaking out windows and the shops and stuff like that. It's just, like, there's a documentary on it. I I don't know if it's an ESPN one, but I've seen it on, like, ESPN Classic or something like that. Yeah, you... If you're listening to yeah, check out Royal Shrovetide football. This Deadspin article says the Royal Shrovetide football game is a very dumb, very English. Well, it's fucking Deadspin and very good. This sport. thing that's cool is actually stupid. Like they said I like was, arcade fire and drink IPAs too. They they <laughs> they said it was a really good sport after they said it was. Dumb. Oh okay, well never mind. They Deadspin, said, you're all right. They said it's a very good. It's a very dumb, very English, and very good sport. Gosh, that looks that's intense. That's the most soccer hooligan thing I've seen. It's amazing. In a long time. It's really cool. Wow, God. But man, we've been podcasting for like an hour forty-five. Yeah, we have. That kind of got away from us, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you have uh, anything else to say? I think we're about wrapped up. I think we've said everything that could potentially be said. Sounds good to me. There we go. But hey, guys. Follow us on Twitter. There's Jack at Crimson and Cream Machine. There's at CC Machine. Um, call me Robbie and at Boomtown RW. Follow along with all of our articles and anything we post on CrimsonandCreamMachine.com. That's brought to you guys by SB Nation. There's a lot of good content, and it's like hammering out every day. Like I look, I look at the website every day, and there's something new, and there's something, and there's always comments on there. And feel free to comment even more. You know, that's what we want you guys to do. And like I said earlier, we're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it because, well, we just love you. Oh, yeah, we do. Mostly. Unless you email us, we, then we don't love you. Yeah, that, that's true. Or if you comment on Facebook, we don't love you. Yeah. Comment or maybe we do. I don't know. You know we have, Depends on my mood. It's it's limited, you know, or it's not limited. It's, it's a, it's, it's a perspective-based situation. But I guess that wraps us up. Check you guys later.